Empire. You want to know what's under the hood? You won't believe it. The development that goes into those engines is arguably every bit as sophisticated as any form of motorsport in the world. That's why you see more Formula One uh, engineers engaged in this sport than ever before. That's David Wilson, the president GM of Toyota Racing Development. We got a tour of their tech hub at Sonoma as we deep dive into the future of NASCAR. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Recently, NASCAR invited us to the annual stop in Sonoma, California, and gave us the ultimate tour. The pace car ride around the road course was a warm-up. The seat in the pit box of the Gaunt Brothers 96 Toyota team was illuminating, too, but we were there to learn about the present and the future of the sport. And what we found out is that the investment in the cars of the future may not match the demand of the fans who can't literally see the evolution but in terms of immersive experiences and connectivity, the sport hands down has been and intends to be far ahead of other competitive leagues. In this two-part series, we are gonna focus on the engineers that are changing racing and how that knowledge is being used to educate STEM students around the country. We got to hang out in the hauler with driver Ryan Newman, whose engineering degree gives him an advantage in this advanced age. And we'll talk about the fans and how eSports masters have already infiltrated the real racing grid and what the second, third, and fourth screen experiences could be for fans down the road. But we have to start with where NASCAR was. And Sonoma was the perfect venue to do so with their track president, Steve Page. What was this place in 1991? In 1991, there was a beautiful, very challenging two and a half mile road circuit and a great drag strip and zero infrastructure. There were no permanent seats, there were no garages, there was no, um, it was a horrible place from a guest's perspective. You sat on a hillside on the star thistle, you know, the, the, team, the race teams had to work out of the back of the trucks because there were no garages, there were no permanent restrooms, the media, the media center, it, when we knocked it over it didn't put up much of a fight. It was a, um, it was a very exciting racetrack with no amenities and no infrastructure around it. So was that the goal here initially for you to try to make this a more fan-friendly fan environment? Absolutely. So I, I used to work for the, in baseball at the Oakland A's and had a chance to uh, take this job and wake up in Sonoma every morning. And that was the part that appealed to me most because I didn't know anything about racing. But um, I, I, th I like to think I was smart enough to have recognized a diamond in the rough. And it was right at a period when NASCAR's popularity was exploding. And uh, as it turned out, most of the independent tracks were in the process of being acquired by either ISC or SMI. And we were fortunate in 96 to be one of those acquisitions. And it's, it was life-changing for us. The company has put over $100 million into this facility. All sports are dealing with the rising cost of attendance and the changing tastes of what experiential expectations are. Tim Clark is the vice president of digital at NASCAR. 
What do the old fans want you to maintain? What do the new fans want to see from you to connect yeah, differently? It's a great question. I, I think um, I think for for all fans, for for every part of the avidity cycle, um, they want to know what's going on with the car. So. You know, they want all of the competition data they can get. So they want to know 10 lap averages. They want to know who's being sent to the back. They want to know who's got an approach for road courses that's different from, you know, intermediate tracks. Um, and it, it is, that is, is what's consistent from, from new fans and, and older fans is that they all will consume as much information as possible. I think what, what we have been kind of pleasantly surprised at in, in terms of, uh, I guess, the more tenured or, or the, the more avid fans is their ability to consume uh, longer form content. So we've talked about this before. It's, you know, we, we used to kind of wring our hands of not being a highlight driven sport because that's not, you know, in a, in a sports center culture, right? Like you want the dunk and you want the, the three pointer and you want the touchdown pass and you want all these things that can be 15 uh, seconds snippet of content that can go out on, on social media platforms. And we're not that. And, and I think it took us a while to realize that that was a positive, that you know it, our fans are willing to, to make more of an investment in this longer form content to understand the strategy, to understand the drivers and the teams, which I, I think is a, is a great opportunity for us. I spoke with Tim at what the venue called the Tech Hub. It was up a large hill where the racers have reached the top of their incline at the Sonoma track. A golf cart ride down the hill took us to what looked like a high-end motor coach, nothing too far different from the types of vehicles fans live in as they tailgate for days on end at the sports weekly venues. But once inside, you realized this was no ordinary coach. It was the epicenter of race day operations for Toyota. Here's David Wilson. What are we doing in the coach? Well, we are sitting in TRD's um, mobile uh, engineering office and uh, this is where we come to work 38 weekends a year and our, uh, our team members are, are based out of so they can support our teams. What happens in here? So what happens in here is um, uh, we have uh, a handful of engineers that uh, their job is to support our racing teams. And, and really the, the, the genesis of this is how Toyota and TRD uh, are engaged in the sport of NASCAR. Um, we are a very uh, hands-on, uh, we take a very hands-on approach, we get our hands dirty. You know, TRD builds the engines for these teams, Costa Mesa, California, ships them across the country. So we have um, technicians that are assigned to each team to take care of those engines. We have engine engineers that are assigned to each team um, to make sure that the engines are, are tuned, mapped um, correctly for each racetrack. Um, we have a guy that takes care of the IT. Uh, we have a weather station mounted to the, the top of this motor coach and the data that comes off of that is absolutely critical. The real change for fans old and new alike are the cars. In fact, it will always be the cars. Now, the interesting dilemma, though, is most of this innovation is the blind spot, even for most of the ardent motorheads. There is a misnomer, I think, to the layperson that, um, that these cars in NASCAR, um, that the technology is uh, old or it's old fashioned or it's archaic. Um, that couldn't be further from the truth. 
the architecture is dated in terms of you know push rod um, engines, cast iron block. That is dated, but the the development that goes into those engines is arguably every bit as sophisticated as any form of motorsport in the world. That's why you see more Formula One uh, engineers engaged in this sport than ever before. So it's very highly evolved. The, the, the trick box that this sport is in, as virtually every other professional form of motorsport, is, is managing the cost uh, of development and uh, as, as I call it often, protecting ourselves from ourselves because what I love about TRD is given, you know, give us a rule book and we will exploit every word, every paragraph in that book. That's our job. Um, so um, it's, it's, a, it, it's, a, it, it's a balancing act that the NASCAR as a sanctioning body is trying to work on. We're trying to help them because in the end, we want to make sure that our sport remains viable and, and remains, you know, is sustainable for, you know, the next 40 years. So all this new technology is being developed, and it's not cheap, which is a discussion in and of itself about how much should the sport and teams invest in tech for competition's sake, even if the entertainment value for NASCAR goes virtually unchanged. It felt overdue when Lou Garotti, the Senior Vice President of Partnership Marketing for NASCAR, discussed the need to get everyone in the same room to talk about tech in the sport and how best to make it work for everyone. Came up with the idea earlier this year to put on the Technology Summit, and the purpose was, um, really, it wasn't about talking to talk about NASCAR and promote ourselves. It's really an opportunity to have sort of a thought leadership um, summit where people come together and talk about some of the things that are influencing our life, our business, um, and things of that nature. So, you know, we talked about, you know, innovation and technology. We talked about a connected world, inclusiveness, sustainability. So all the things that are important to, to our brand and other brands. And it's really just to, for us to learn, but also expose our sport to maybe an audience that typically wouldn't come out to a NASCAR race. And with the fans who might not necessarily come out here to Sonoma and see yeah. this, how are you trying to modernized to connect uh, with them. I mean, that, that's definitely using a lot of different platforms and technologies, right? And being smarter, how we serve content. And, you know, folks, uh, you know, not everybody just wants to consume the sport or a sport just through a linear channel anymore. Um, they want to consume it through all the different platforms that they have, that they have on their on their smartphones. So we're, we're trying to make sure that we're reaching that consumer uh, with the right content, right? And each platform, you got to serve them differently. So, you know, for us, that's a very important initiative and, you know, um, one of the key growth strategies that we have in the sport is to grow consumption. And the only way you're gonna do that is making sure that you're serving the right content to consumers and the platforms that they want. Yeah. So being smarter about that, it's, you know, obviously that's an evolving space and there's always new things coming on board. So when you do things like the Innovation Summit, which we did yesterday, we're bringing in brands that are, that are serving new products out there. You know, we had a group out there from Mighty Networks, a new platform, uh, think of a YouTube, but a much more of a, um, it's not as open-ended, it's much more uh, bringing a group of people that have a, a similar likeness in something together in a much more private and positive environment versus the YouTube um, platform. But YouTube's still very important to us, right? But we gotta make sure that we're serving YouTube, but also as new things come on board, that we're serving customers on those platforms as well. Tim Clark, the VP of Digital, his job is to feed the fans what they want in digital consumption. So 
He knows what exactly the kind of information and content that they are craving. We've talked to a number of the people who are involved with the technologies around engines and all of the car technology and it's an arms race as everyone's trying to get an advantage. And you're talking about what do fans really want? And they have found this interesting mix of, we're spending a lot of money to be competitive about things that fans may not know about or may not care about. Yeah. So, so where's kind of the line for you all about where that type of technology goes, which is the literal competitive nature of racing? Yeah, it, uh, it's it's a great point, and you're you're 100 right. I think we um, and we talked about it earlier. I think what we have to to be cognizant of is that we're not going to be all things to all people, but there's enough of this content um, that we can not only simplify for maybe newer fans or more casual fans, but there are there are fans that are that are gearheads, that are car enthusiasts, that are technology enthusiasts that will will have a, a, a much higher comprehension of, of that than 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 most normal fans or most normal people. Um, so I think we we have the ability to tell that story through a couple of different uh, a couple of different voices. Um, we've got a lot of former crew chiefs that, that we work with on the content side that can just tell that story in a way that I certainly can't and, and most of the folks that are covering the sport on uh, on maybe a more casual basis aren't able to do. And, and as, as quickly as we can publish that content, the, the fans will eat it up. And in turn, the major broadcast partners are siphoning through this mountain of data and innovation. And of course, the multitude of camera options on board and off communication access that's unprecedented for most other sports. Steve Stumm has been working in NASCAR's broadcast productions for nearly two decades. And they're talking about all the tech and the upgrades and all the things that are happening with the cars. And they're lost on the idea of, we're being competitive, we want to win, cutting edge to, what does a fan care about this? What do they need to know? So as you present technology to them, what do you think matters to them that they want to know about the vehicles? Well, I think, there's a little bit of mystique, right, what the drivers are doing, and obviously you can dumb down some data so that fans get an entertainment version, if you will, and the drivers get what they need, and we, it's, it's how we manage to pit race and give them what they need and dumb it down. So I think, you know, most people want to see brake points, throttle points. Why is a driver picking up speed? And, and we got a great app we did for the teams last year that, that give you brake points, throttle points, so they can compare how they're running a car versus another driver. And that was a little bit touchy, right, with those guys who want to give away their secret, but like I always like to say, I love to play golf, and I got titles, golf clubs, and Under Armour shirts, and but I don't hit the ball like Jordan Speed. So you got to have some natural talent. Everybody drives a little bit different. Um, and I think there's a way we can show it to the fans and keep them engaged. Um, we want to bring Wi-Fi, 5G technology to every track. So you can sit here and watch it on your phone what each driver's doing, in-car cameras, and the, the data, the brake points, throttle points. How to, why are they making up time versus somebody in front of them? And I think we can do that with some augmented reality and just the data. Do fans care what's under the hood? Do they end up really I think everybody cares what's under the hood, right? There's a little yeah. bit of a secret there to what the team's doing. Yeah. The teams obviously don't want other teams to see what they're doing. Yeah. People want to see that. They want to know how, why are they getting better? Why is, why is Kevin Harvick better than Chase Elliott in a certain yeah. turn or a certain track? I think, yeah, people want to know that. So like any production, it's a guess to truly know who wants what when. And in part two of our series, we're going to discuss how NASCAR intends to serve its next generation of fans. But part of that will be dictated by the engineers and the teams themselves. Technology and innovation, it doesn't stop. 
and it's not just the engines. David Wilson from Toyota's racing development team sees car design changing, not only for the aerodynamic advantage potentially that it would give the racers, but to work toward getting stock cars back to a place where individuality matters again. Um, and that, that's, a, that's an interesting topic. When we came into the sport, the, the design of these racing cars were um, what I would call amorphous blobs. Um, and, and differentiating a Toyota Camry form from a, a, a Ford Fusion at the time was principally done via decals. And, and the sport had really gotten away from the roots back in the 60s and 70s where the cars were much more like quote-unquote stock cars, right? And, and there were, you know, it was more about Ford and Chevrolet and Dodge and Pontiac, um, but it had it, it kind of lost its way through the, the desire to bring parity, you know, into the garage. So, you know, honestly, one of the, the best things that NASCAR has done since we've been in this sport is, um, is to change that. And a few years ago, we sat down collectively, the OEMs in NASCAR, and decided we're racing, we're, we're automobile racing, and it's important that the cars that we race resemble the cars that we sell. So we rewrote the rule book when it came to car design, and the the OEMs agreed. There are certain parts of the car that that are absolutely standard. And, and that they're same across all three makes. But then we also freed up areas where we could incorporate our own DNA, you know, the DNA of a Camry. And if you, if you park a production Camry next to the race car that we're gonna race on you know, tomorrow afternoon, it's remarkable how similar they are. And the fans in the grandstands, whether you're in the top row or the bottom row, can tell a Camry from a Mustang, from a Camaro. And, and that's important because we sell Camrys. Regulate, uh, how do you bring parity to that equation? Because of course, you know, the, the front end of our car is different than the Camaro, than the, than the Mustang. That's gonna influence the aerodynamic uh, performance of those cars, the drag, the downforce. So what, what we do is every time we update our car or at the beginning of this process we we take each one of our cars to the wind tunnel and all the other manufacturers are in the wind tunnel when we're in the wind tunnel and vice versa and um, NASCAR basically uses that tool to balance the the aerodynamic performance goal is to put yourself in the optimal position um, in that box and um, and NASCAR's job is to again, regulate that between all the manufacturers. But remember that part about cost versus payoff. It's not just the teams that have to decide how much of an arms race to get into. The sport itself has to monitor each car each week to conform to its strict specification policies. Right off the main garage area in Sonoma sits what appears to be a tent and metal car lift, but you go inside and you're gonna end up seeing a light show that's something out of a rave party. 
Lasers are being used to make hundreds of determinations of each car the day before each race, and many are then sent back for minor alterations so that no vehicle has any unfair advantage. But keeping up with the teams comes at a major cost for the sport. They have to have a research and development team as well. Technology may be cool. It is not free. Education can be. So there's another side to all of this. Information worth sharing. At nearby Levi Stadium, the 49ers run a STEM program for local kids in the Bay Area, right out of the stadium. This is a model that could be replicated by showcasing the math and science behind big-time racing. Here's Peter Jung, Senior Vice President of Marketing for NASCAR. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, you know, the uh, sister track to Sonoma Raceway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, they hosted, you know, a, a tremendous STEM event for I don't know how many, like thousands of kids in the, in the Charlotte School District. And they literally have, you know, NASCAR Acceleration Nation is one of several kind of, you know, almost exhibitors. Um, and, you know, kids from middle school um, could go out there and they're just, you know, doing different exhibits and, and uh, you know, activities and, and basically learning about STEM. So absolutely. Um, there's so much science involved in this sport. Seems like a natural thing to go and try to attract younger people and expose them to it. So, so how are you guys going about that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it really is, you know, it is science behind racing. And so, I think a couple of years ago, when we took a more concerted effort to kind of, you know, just bridge relevance with kids, um, we uh, launched a program called Acceleration Nation. This is back in 2014. Um, and, and really at the root of it, it's, it's just inspiring kids to learn about, you know, science, technology, math through, through, through racing. Um, so we've got a, a long-standing partnership with Scholastic, um, and we've got sort of curriculum and supplemental material um, that, uh, you know, is all complementary to existing curriculum, but uh, middle school classrooms just kind of, you know, give, giving them to, you know, learn about STEM through racing. And it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We've been at it for four years. We've also partnered with uh, with Pixar in the past. We're in, you know, probably now, you know, well over 100,000 classrooms across the, the globe, and educators have really been kind of into it as well. So. Using cars, like the, the backdrop of cars, exactly. the, the movie? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so when that franchise launched, I think it was two, two years ago, um, we they were we, we had kind of a three-way partnership, again, with Scholastic and, and Cars, that, that franchise. And so... I think that that you know the material that we're all kind of STEM-based learning that was you know just that one year that one season was you know I, I think over a hundred thousand classrooms. So what's the goal here? Are you trying to find your next engineers? Are you trying to find a different fan? Are you trying to yeah. connect to families in a different way? What what are you? What's your goal here? So it's it's kind of twofold. One one is definitely connecting with the next generation of fans. Obviously, you know NASCAR is not uh, you don't go in the backyard and you know and and start a car yet um although you know with with esports and stuff it's it's uh it it is more accessible but it's just uh you know that connection and relevancy with 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 young with young people and just so they kind of have an appreciation that you know all that goes into to racing and stock car racing specifically so that's one just kind of the relevance with kids and then the other part is literally just trying to you know, create something a little bit more kind of interesting for them to kind of learn about the, you know, the principles. It's so, so important to, you know, our country that kids are, you know, learning. We've got, you know, people in, in careers and technology and mathematics and stuff like that. So just giving them another way to kind of, you know, um, to, to, to get inspired. And David Wilson from Toyota knows programs like this will help build the next gen of race teams. For now, his and the other car makers are working toward what they deem the race cars of the future.
Well, I think this is really the genesis of this initiative that um, NASCAR and the industry are working on, you know, codenamed Gen 7. Um, the, the reality is that the sport right now is in a bit of distress. Um, the operating model, the cost um, for these teams is not something that realistically is sustainable in the long term. Um, so, you know, we have a couple of pillars of success that we've defined collectively as an industry. Um, you know, one of them is to bring a car to the racetrack to, um, um, to take the technologies and, you know, essentially limit some of the areas that we're currently working in mm -hmm. to bring down the cost and do it in a manner that the fans don't even notice, right? The other part of it is there are only three manufacturers in the sport. Um, you know, one of the other things we do is we support Lexus in their sports car uh, racing. They race a GT car based on the RCF. On the Sundays that we race, we race against eight other manufacturers. And, and that's why we love sports car racing. So, you know, our, our basic philosophy is, is we compete every day at auto shows, you know, in, 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 in the showrooms and we want to compete here on the racetrack as well. So um, having only three manufacturers is not, is not good. You know, we'd, we'd like to have a half a dozen manufacturers. That would be good for the sport. So that's one of the pillars of success of this new initiative. We want to be able to use our resources, our intellect to secure an advantage over our competition. That's why we race. The easiest thing is to agree we have a problem and we you know, have a vision for, for where we need to be. The, the tough part is how we get there. And through all of it, even as proprietary as it all really is, NASCAR wants to share as much of what's under everyone's hood with their fans as possible. Here's Vice President of Digital, Tim Clark again. I probably selfishly am supposed to believe this, but I think we do a better job of bringing technology and data from the sport, the competition side to fans than, than any other sport. So, and I, I think we, we take pride in that. That's kind of the, the, the goal of what we're, we're doing. Yeah, I mean, it starts with accessibility. If you come here, you can be really near the drivers, you can be near the garages, you can be part of all of that. You can listen on the headsets. You guys allow things that most sports don't allow. That, that's exactly right. And, and I, I would say, and, and you know this better than anyone, we've had people from other sports, athletes, broadcasters, whatever the case may be, that, that just, they, they're almost uneasy about it, right? I mean, it's the race is starting in five minutes and you're standing right next to the car and right next to the driver. It, it's like the equivalent of, you know, having a fan just stand in the locker room, you know, right before kickoff, it, it doesn't happen. So I, I think the, the access that, that you get around the live event when you're at the track, I, I think is, is it, it's similar to what we're able to provide. I mean, we've got in-car video, we've got in-car audio, and you are immersed in the race on your phone from wherever you are. Our fans just now expect that. I mean, you were talking about in-car audio. I, there's no other sport that still that does that today, and we've been doing that for 10, 12 years. It's now just an expectation. The NFL would never let you hear the, the call to the helmet. That's exactly right. Ever. Right. Ever exactly. would they let you do that. Right. Yeah. Right. And now you've got, um, you've got, you know, the ability to listen to strategy. So, so you're watching the race and there's guys that are, you know, they're gonna pit later in the race or earlier in the race, or they're gonna take four tires or two tires. And you're listening to the communication of 
you know, crew chief to driver, driver to spotter, spotter to, to driver, which is just an incredible experience um, for us to be able to, to, to bring to fans. So from a fan perspective, that's where everything is heading. Are eSports an answer to engaging new fans? One of the sport's brightest young stars learned how to race in a simulator, not on a track. Gambling's coming, and NASCAR is figuring out a way to embrace that. Virtual experiences, that feels like a no-brainer for this sport. Plus, we'll have a conversation with championship driver Ryan Newman and his crew chief, Scott Graves, about how tech in the sport has changed their roles as competitors. Modern driver's still a modern driver. There's just only a few of us that actually understand the technical part of it. Um, a lot of guys, you know, make a good living off of not understanding or having a clue about it, but it's fine. But, you know, I've always taken the approach of understanding it or trying to understand it more so I can give better feedback to my team to make the race car go faster. Be sure to subscribe to the Future Sport Podcast to have part two of our deep dive under NASCAR's Tech Advanced Hood available for your next ride. That will do it for part one. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.